I hereby introduce to you, Mr. Michael Veazey. A, a bit to the whole question of how you end up looking at particular products and niches in the first place because obviously the chrome extension is very famous we all kind of use it like it's become the kind of like googling or amazon for, for amazon sellers jungle scout has become you know oh just js it's more has become a verb so congratulations <laughs> you've, you've really become the, the sort of almost a gateway to amazon for sellers but when it comes to finding those ideas to, to look at the numbers for in the first place obviously we have a kind of universe of whatever it is 100 million probably way more than that excuse now on amazon um, how do you start with that? Is that something you do organically? Do you tend to use tools? What's your personal preference? Yeah, good question. Um, so kind of the last show, you know, we were talking, I was talking about some like the free ways, which are like, um, the bestseller section of Amazon, um, kind of be mindful in your everyday life, what seems to be new or hot and you can make a list of those. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. Especially I think if you have like a lot of time and are really cost conscious, that works. Um, the Jungle Scout web app was invented to kind of solve that problem and I can talk about it real quick. So what we've done with, there's a few different tools in the Jungle Scout web app, which is separate from the Chrome extension for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with it. So the Jungle Scout web app, it's more of a traditional uh, software, uh, piece of software. Um, it, one of the tools inside there, the product database, what we've done is we've rebuilt Amazon's catalog uh, and for those of you listening, it's now available for uh, all the marketplaces. So it used to only be available for the U.S., and now we have it for the U.K. and Canada and Mexico and uh, all those EU stores. Excuse me, I shouldn't say all the marketplaces. We don't have China or Japan yet, um, so it's still missing those. Uh, but all the EU and North America marketplaces. Um, what we've done is we've rebuilt Amazon's catalog in a way that uh, is really user-friendly for sellers to search through. So... If I went to Amazon.com or any of the other Amazon stores, there's nowhere for me to search and say like, hey, show me all the price that sell really well and have low competition uh, and like good margins. Like that's just not a search filter on, uh, on the Amazon store. It's built for uh, consumers and not for sellers. So what we've done is we've taken in all of Amazon's products, put it in our, our own database and let you search by a whole bunch of the metrics that sellers actually care about. So I can go into the database. Um, you know, I can say only show me products that sell like 200 units a month or more or only sell 500 units more units a month or more and have less than 50 reviews and have a poor quality listing um, and are small and weigh less than five pounds. I can put in all those search parameters and it will go from tens of millions of SKUs down to like 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever. And then from there, you can start to get better product ideas. Um, and you can narrow it down even more by saying you only want specific categories or you only want um, products that have a rating of four and a half stars or more. There's all kinds of filters in there for you to take, you know, Amazon's whole catalog and say like, okay, like which of these would be a good product idea for me? And then what most people find is there's a whole bunch of really obscure products in there that like people would never normally think of, you know? So it's like I was looking in there a few weeks ago and um, like – just like like strange like office supplies that you know like uh, acrylic sign holders that you like put a piece of paper in and then like hang it up on your wall uh, like those were like doing really well and um, or like these little like wheels that go on the bottom of your chairs or just all these things that like you wouldn't normally think of if you're just trying to brainstorm products in your head because most people right away want to go towards like kind of like cool and hip and sexy products 
those are the things that they kind of like want to tell their friends they're selling, which is fine, but a lot of times that's like what has the most competition on Amazon. Instead, if you're going with these obscure, weird products, it, that's what's going to make you the money on Amazon. Yeah, and your um, Jungle Scout, uh, what do you call it? Sorry, Jungle Sticks. Uh, jungle Sticks, yeah. Thing it was, you know, it was a classic case in point. I mean, bamboo sticks—they're basically bits of wood, but that kind of ties in with uh, Will Chernlins, who's who's obsessed. We had Will on just just the last podcast interview, and um, he's obsessed with a hunk of metal, as his kind of phrase. So you did a fantastic <laughs> job of finding some obscure niche, which is basically a piece of wood. Um, yeah. which is going to be cheap and easy to produce, I imagine. And, and, but right. there is a kind of demand for it. So that's a classic example of um, smart product picking. So uh, hats off to you for that one. And uh, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I even knew a bamboo marshmallow sticks existed. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of marshmallow since I was like six years old. I would never think of that. <laughs> Yeah, also, it wouldn't occur to me to, I guess, maybe, and I'm showing my age now, but, you know, in the days before Amazon existed when I was a kid, it wouldn't occur to me to get a specialist product just to roast a bamboo on a, on a stick. I'd just grab right, whatever was handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you see metal hangers, you know, just put a marshmallow on those. Exactly. But, I mean, if you think like that, I mean, basically, a lot of things in life, and this is what struck me about products, really, is that, and I have to say that it's Will who put me onto this, but your your idea is also kind of kind of uh, goes together with that which is like just trying to think of something that's basically a piece of metal and then the obscure bit is like people are actually looking for it which is what your tool um, reveals so easily and quickly and i think the combination could be a pretty winning way of finding products because uh sometimes it's easy to overcomplicate stuff and as you say cool and hip and sexy products and when i've sold electronic products that i was very happy to say i was selling but my god they brought problems um, because uh-huh. electronics from China is famously, you know, a, a don't go area, particularly for newbies. If you're a newbie, listen to this, please do not go and buy electronics as your first product. Having done that, right. um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, trying to avoid the hip and cool and obvious products is totally, totally the way to go because um, competition is a huge thing. So let's segue naturally into that now. Um, let's talk about competition. Obviously, it's 2017. It's only the beginning now. Um, but by the end of 2017, I imagine there's going to be more and more people using a lot of the same tools, including obviously your Jungle Scout suite of tools, mm-hmm. and trying to sell the obvious products. How do we deal with competition? You've already alluded to one way, which is looking for obscure products. Have you got any other ways to find those less competitive areas to get that, as you said, that, that gap between competition and demand that we all yearn for? Absolutely. Um, so a few of the, the strategies I really like um, in 2017 for uh, doing really well. My favorite one is finding a product and um, improving on it. Okay, so this is like, you know, this is like the age-old method of like great business practices. Is like you find something that people are buying, even though it's like kind of crappy. You know, maybe it's getting bad reviews, or they don't like that this screw is always breaking or whatever, like whatever it might be, or the handle's not long enough, I don't know, um, and just improving upon it. And what's so cool about like the day and age we live in now is 20 years ago, big corporations probably spent like, Lord knows how much money, so much money doing like research groups to find out what people like and don't like and whatever. Now just like the average Joe, like me or you can just go on Amazon, we just read the reviews and we know what's wrong with this product, right? You can just filter by the one star reviews and it's like, bam, there's all the products that are, those are all the things that people don't like about it. Um, so this is this is like my favorite thing, you know, is to find something that it's selling well even though it's not getting very good reviews. You can improve upon it. So maybe the handle's not long enough or maybe um, the handle's slippery so it needs to be like rubber coated or something. I don't know. You have to, you have to read the reviews. Um, 
ask the factory to make this one small change. So I'm not inventing a whole new product. That gets pretty complicated. I'm just communicating with the factory and saying, hey, I need this handle rubber coated because right now it's slippery. Um, they make that change. You start selling this product on Amazon. Now all of a sudden you're getting five star reviews where your competitor was getting three and a half or four star reviews. And you'll find very quickly that you'll start selling quite a bit better than them. So that, that's um, great business practice that you know, for until the end of time will be like a smart thing to do. Improve on something, you know, sell it competitively and people will buy it. Um, you'll also find that anything with like a higher barrier of entry will uh, have less competition. So if it's bigger, um, it needs to be shipped in a container, you'll find less people are doing it. Again, that comes with headaches. Shipping in stuff in containers are headaches, but um, you'll see it does have less competition. Um, and then more expensive products will also have less competition. And the sole reason for that is a higher barrier entry, right? You have to have more cash to be able to purchase these products. So less people are kind of willing to take the risk or maybe just don't have the cash uh, in order to do so. So those, those are all areas that for a long time now, I think we'll still have relatively lower amounts of competition. Um, the one other place I'll add is the US is definitely the most competitive of all the Amazon marketplaces now. So in 2017, um, I haven't yet, but um, I definitely have plans in the next couple of months here. Uh, I've already opened up my EU account and it's expand into Europe. Um, I was talking to an Amazon representative a few weeks ago, and they actually told me that, I think shines a good light on this, is if you combined all the EU stores, um, they actually have as much volume, as much traffic as what uh, the US store does. So if you're selling in all the EU stores, you know, UK, uh, Germany, Italy, Spain, and France, all of them combined is equivalent to, you know, you'll sell as much volume as what you would in the U.S. So it's like, okay, well, you know, with, uh, you know, storing your products in a couple of the warehouses, being able to ship to all those areas, you have just as much reach as you would the U.S. It's an interesting one. I mean, um, my experience, because I sell in the U.S. and also in the EU and, um, the stats that I've heard from 2015, which is the last sort of set of stats that I could gather together, was that the European marketplaces taken together were around about a third of the volume of sales in the USA. So maybe the more recently, uh, the Euro European Union uh, has grown in its sales. But that's interesting. I mean, if it came from Seller yeah. Central, I'm always a little bit wary of what I hear from <laughs> Seller Central. You know, they can be pretty inconsistent. So maybe that's not quite right. I would double check those stats is all I would say. Um, my understanding is the stats were something like uh, in Amazon around the same period, it was something like, I can't remember what the sales were, $70 billion in, in Germany, about 11 or 12 billion, and in the UK, about 10. So um, hmm. my experience of Germany for certain products is it can be really um, much more solid than the UK. But well, if you yeah. want to talk about that, Greg, then you know, you're welcome to come chat to, to me about that because um, obviously I've got the idea of, of seeing both marketplaces. A lot of my friends also sell it in the Europe as well. Um, it's uh, an interesting one because European cultures vary more than, of course, um, you know, the culture across the states in terms of Amazon buying. Certainly, the yeah. Germans can be pretty fussy buyers. I mean, a friend of mine's got um, German sales. He said that the the refund rate in Germany was about ten times in some categories what it was. Really? In the UK. So it's certainly something to um, approach with somebody who's been there and and uh, take account of the nuances. But for sure, I find that the, the profit margins here can be much better than the states because the competition is just less less high. And also, you can rank right. on page one with five reviews. I mean, it really can be top of page one with like five or ten reviews in some product categories. Um, right. So maybe so a good anyway, option well, for uh, that's like another one. Right? U.S. sellers coming to uh, 
to Europe. <laughs> That's going to be another big trend in 2017, I think. Yeah, we'll see.